everyone. Welcome to the League One Fun. It is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network and sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. This is Phil Grooms. I'm not usually talking to you guys here on this ep- on this uh, show, rather, but um, but I'm here today because it's a special episode. It is a coach spectacular. Uh, that's what Jason wanted me to call it. So <laughs> so there it is. Uh, but basically, we have three interviews with three coaches. So um, just wanted to kind of primer you for three interviews. None of them are that long. Um, one of them, one of them is from the live stream last Wednesday night, uh, and there were just some technical issues. So if you usually listen to just the uh, the podcast stream, it was missing last week, and we bumped the part that we could use to right now. So yeah, I'm just gonna give you the layout of of what's gonna come at you in this episode. Uh, first off, we're gonna have Chattanooga Red Wolves coach Tim Hankinson. Uh, And then we'll switch to uh, Lansing Ignites coach Nate Miller and end with Tormenta FC's John Miglarese, which is how I'm going to pronounce that. Not sure if it's right. Uh, We'll see how I do later in the episode here when hopefully he says it or someone else does. Um, Hope you enjoy this show. It's a special one. Lots of coaches talking about their thing. It's kind of cool to have all three involved. So uh, again, first off here, we're going to have Chattanooga Red Wolves coach Tim Hankinson. Hey, Coach, thanks for joining us. Uh, just just to dive right in uh, to some of the questions uh, we have for you and that we, we've got from other fans. Um, just first off, can you talk about uh, what made Chattanooga Red Wolves so appealing to you as a coach and uh, what, what brought you in uh, and convinced you that this was the right place to go at this time? I think uh, at any time in your career, whether you're a coach or whether you're a player, you want to be able to walk into a, a stadium full of fans and excitement and, and feel like you live in a city that is a soccer city. And uh, I feel like the, the history of soccer being played in Chattanooga has proven that they have a great fan base, an educated fan base. And uh, with the vision of our owner, Bob Martino, wanting to build a soccer-specific stadium and a training facility, it just had all the ingredients that uh, creates a, a great challenge as a startup. And and it's always fun to start, you know, a program from scratch. And so going off that, I know you, you, you've you had experience with expansion franchises before. You, you were with San Antonio uh, back when they were in the NASL. Can you can you talk about what are the differences and similarities you see between these two franchises and, and the buildups to uh, their expansion seasons? Um, you know, every city has its own challenges. You, you look at uh, the demographics, you know, how can we build a team that is going to be appealing to uh, uh, the residents there, the soccer fans there? Um, you know, the, the budgets are a little bit different, um, you know, from where we were in the NASL to where we're starting in League One. So there are challenges to see what level player you can get here. I think in San Antonio, almost uh, our whole starting lineup were MLS guys. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it's harder to attract that initially to uh, League One. Most of those players dropping uh, out of Major League are going to look in, into the championship. But I think that, you know, given a year of, uh, you know, being on the ground where we're no longer just a, a, a piece of air, you know, without history, without uh, having a, a win on the books yet, you know, it, it's a little bit of a harder sell to have uh, MLS guys buy in. But, you know, the world of, of uh, uh, lower league soccer is a world of, of soccer gypsies, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they bounce from team to team. And, and the, you know, the common 
thread is that uh, soccer players are tired of, of bouncing around and we think that we can create uh, a community team with uh, an academy underneath us and coaching jobs uh, in addition to the opportunity to play on a great stage. So, so talking about the, the forming of the team, uh, Red Wolves by far have the most international players probably, uh, at least the most international spots of any team in League One. What was the idea behind going out and getting you know, that international experience and, and talent compared to maybe looking within uh, the country? Well, I mean, we don't have uh, all of our international spots filled, uh, but we do have an abundance of, of players on the rosters with international origins. But I think that if you, you looked, and we don't list these things on the roster, but, you know, half of the international players that are listed there are green card or U.S. citizens. You know, players like Soto, who's a, a Mexican-American, played for Houston Dynamo and Chivas USA, but he's an American citizen. Uh, Dixon played for the Jamaican national team, but he's a U.S. citizen. So there are some internationals that we brought in uh, where, where you go through the visa process. But um, overall, it, it just comes down to uh, it wasn't by plan. It was more just looking for the best player that's available at that time and, and uh, figuring out the status from that point on. It's, it's been fun. It's, it's a very eclectic um, you know, I think the guys are enjoying, you know, the, an Argentinian getting to know an Albanian and, and, and a Brazilian getting to know uh, an Irishman. So it's, um, it's, it's a lot of fun each day. And, and the guys seem to really have been opened up to, uh, um, you know, the team spirit and, and because of the differences. And with those signings, go ahead, Jeff. Uh, I was just going to ask that, um, you know, with, with the different signings that, that you have, um, you know, without giving uh, too much of your tactics away, uh, what what can uh, fans and what can uh, the other USL uh, league teams, um, you know, look forward to? Um, what kind of style or, or um, consistency? Well, um, I kind of term a, a different soccer terminology or expression. I call it fusion where you, you attack based on how you defend and you defend on how you attack. That don't look at them as separate entities, look at them and how they complement each other. So if we're a team that uh, can and want freedom in the attack and, and dynamic runs from different areas and interchanging of positions, then defensively we must know how to cover those players when they find themselves out of their natural position. And so who's going to cover and where do they recover to, to make sure that we have a compact defense. So we try and work with that, that concept uh, and, and if we can be good at that. Then it will give us a lot of freedom in the attack to create a lot of scoring chances and hopefully being a high scoring team. Now with your, your player equations this off season, we, we noticed that you guys were one of the earliest teams to start signing players and start training camp. What was the idea behind that, if any, and how important is team chemistry, especially in the first year of a team at all? Well, you know, going back to the internationals, uh, it takes, you know, somewhat of three months to get a visa. And so we felt that uh, from the start, let's try and get those players signed and in place. And mm -hmm. then we would start to work on the American core that becomes the, the larger foundation of, of, of the, the roster. Uh, we work on building the spine first. So, you know, uh, getting Ualefi uh, from uh, Swope Park when he played there as, as uh, the holding midfielder, working on players 
like Tony Walls and, and uh, uh, Nicholas the Ghanaian uh, through the center of the park, uh, um, you know, looking at uh, Stephen Beattie, who's a, kind of a central attacking midfielder with Soto, and Eamon Zayed, who uh, played for me at Indy 11 in the NASL and was our top scorer for the two years that we were together. It, it started to build through the center, and then you start looking for the compliments, and that has a lot to do with fitting styles around the players that you initially sign. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to have a, a player like Carlos Valderrama for a few years in MLS when I coached there, and you had to find the, the style player that complemented his game. And we do the same, even though we don't have a Carlos Valderrama. You still have a spine of a group of players that are kind of your centerpieces, and you have to find players that are going to fit alongside that who style-wise um, uh, complement each other. Awesome. So throughout this year, you, you don't only have USL League One uh, to focus on and to play, but you'll also be uh, in the U.S. Open Cup. Can you talk about you know, trying to balance those two out? Uh, what are your thoughts towards the U.S. Open Cup? How, how important is it for you and for the team? You know, realistically, uh, the, the thought of getting past championship level teams, uh, avoiding the early upset against the lower division team, uh, and thinking that you're going to get past two or three rounds of MLS clubs, you'd, you'd be a little bit overly confident and optimistic to think that that's all going to fall into place. But mm -hmm. having, having coached in uh, NASL um, against MLS teams, uh, you know, we beat a Houston Dynamo. We took a Chicago Fire to penalty kicks. And, and so I do believe that it's important to set the goal that the U.S. Open Cup is important. Um, if you look at also prize money, you know, 300,000, that makes a lot of players smile in the locker room when they hear about that. But also the fact that if you are the top team in your division and have gone the furthest in the cup, then there is prize money there too. So, um, there, there's a lot to play for and, and it's a, a famous cup, uh, our oldest cup. And, uh, it's always exciting to be a part of it and, and take on the challenges that exist there. And just recently, uh, Chattanooga announced uh, plans for a new training facility. What can you describe what the ultimate goals uh, for that facility is, how important it is for uh, the team and for uh, the fans in general? Well, you know, right now we are uh, working out of uh, Chattanooga Christian School, which is a private high school. And we appreciate the facilities and the support that they've given us. But there's not, nothing like walking into your own locker room, uh, you know, your workplace, uh, having your performance area, having your weight room, having your film room, uh, having offices. Uh, it's an important training facility because it's right in the middle of a complex that a lot of the community uses for club soccer. And so to be able to see a flagpole with uh, uh, a large Red Wolves flag uh, that's always present where these young players are playing, you know, we're expecting to have uh, a field turf field and two grass fields. Um, this will be utilized by the first team, but also uh, we're, we're in the process of developing an academy with tryouts coming up in the spring. And therefore, we will have a full tiered system underneath us that will utilize that facility in the evening since we train there in the morning. And, and uh, teams will, uh, under the Red Wolves banner, will have the opportunity to train there. One of those fields will have a 1500 seat uh, facility so that um, the exhibition games or league games that are important 
to the club can be played there. And then the stadium is going to be in a different area of town, and that would probably be about 5,000 seats, soccer-specific, with some private boxes, press box. And, and the goal is to build a team. You know, whether we stay League One, whether we become more ambitious and want to move to championship in the future, we'll see how it all goes. This is just, you know, the beginning of it and a vision. Um, but our, our owner, uh, Bob Martino, is very excited. He's, he's become a, a, a soccer madman because he's, he's got a USL2 uh, league two team out in Park City, Utah, where he lives. And he's also purchased uh, a league two team in, in uh, Dayton, Georgia, which is about 20 miles outside of Chattanooga. So they'll be very closely associated with us. Awesome. So being a new team, uh, how Chattanooga has done a good job at partnering with local companies, uh, breweries, uh, whiskey producers, eye care uh, centers. How important is is it to connect and engage with the community, uh, especially in a city like Chattanooga? Well, I mean, Chattanooga is is not a large city by any stretch. Um, therefore, and, and uh, you know, there is a minor league baseball team in town. Uh, there's a, a college team in t- you know sports program in town with Tennessee Chattanooga. Um, so we can become uh, an important player in the community as far as being connected with the youth community, the family demographics and uh and promoting products for the local sponsors that maybe in the past they haven't had that vehicle uh to work through so i think the community is excited and i think they're taking it very seriously you don't announce and and build a stadium unless you're not planning to stick around and Mm -hmm. so um you know i think they're very committed to growing this program and and we'll see where it goes awesome and i just want to end on this last question coach uh thank you for taking the time to talk with us, but as a soccer fan and as a coach, can you talk about what you personally are looking forward to uh, most this season in League One? Um, getting first of all preseason over with, and <laughs> getting getting the season started. You know, we we uh, I've just moved from San Antonio, but I still have wife and family uh, down there, and our first game is is in uh, uh, Dallas against the North Texas team, uh, which is a brand new team and. Uh, I'll have a lot of family coming to visit there in our inaugural game. Um, it's also an interesting game because the, the new coach there, Eric Quill, um, I was the first coach of Project 40 back in 1997 when Major League first started. I was director of player development for the league, and we had a young 18, 19-year-old that had left Clemson University, given up a scholarship to join this Project 40 program. We call that uh, – uh, generation Adidas nowadays, but back then it was Project 40. And so Eric played for me. He was on that team. He was a part of the very first class. And then later I became coach of Tampa Bay Mutiny of MLS and he was assigned to that team. So we worked and he got his first major league starts under me. So uh, we have a, a long history, but, you know, being 18 back then, now he's 40 years old. He's a head coach of the USL League One team and that's going to be our first battle. So I'm looking forward to the reunion. Awesome. Well, good luck this season, Coach. Uh, Thanks for taking the time again uh, to talk with us tonight. And uh, we hope to talk to you more in the future. Look forward to it, gentlemen. Thanks. All the best. So, hey, guys. This is Jeff with Elite One Fun, talking to uh, Lansing Knights coach Nate Miller. Thank you for joining us today, uh, Nate. So, with the uh, expansion and the adoption of 
a League One uh, in Lansing. Um, what is the aspirations for Lansing Ignite, and it's especially the first year? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, we want to build a winning team. I mean, there's no doubt. I think that we've been working really hard for that in, in player acquisition and building uh, a roster with the types of players that we think fit, fit our model. Um, I mean, we, we want to be a top team in the league. We want to compete and put the best product possible to energize our city. Um, but we, I mean, we're trying to build a winning team. You know, many of our players aren't here yet. Um, and we are progressing, though, and I think in a good way. Uh, you know, today was you know, really, really bad. But I think that in general, um, we've taken some good steps over just two weeks to, to, to start to see. We're, we're starting to go in a, in a pretty good direction. Speaking of uh, your, the full team's not here yet and, yeah. and directions, we know that, that you have a nice system that you, that you like to put together. Uh, when you're looking for players to sign, um, are you looking for a specific, that they fit your style, or are you looking for the top talent that's available and then trying to fit them to the style that you have? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think, I mean, elite talent is the number one objective, but elite talent that fits within the framework of what we're doing. So we can't bring in a talented player that is the opposite player profile of how I wanted to play in a certain position. So you have to marry those two together. Uh, I mean, I think that there's an extensive scouting network that, that we have to, to find those right players. And then it's complicated. You know, to actually sign a player, there's a lot of different moving parts that goes into it and the right fit, the right time. So, yeah, I mean, the answer is we're looking for players that fit our game model and then the most talented, but not just talent, it's the right personalities and character. I mean, I think that's the most important is we find the right types of people that want to attack this project and attack... Uh, you know, this, you know, this, this whole idea of what we're trying to accomplish in Lansing. And so, um, yeah, I think today you can tell it's not always easy. There are some <laughs> difficult conditions you have to overcome. And, and with that, it takes big personalities and, and really good men. For sure. And as this is uh, first year of Lansing Ignite uh, in the community, and as League One just uh, launched the We Are One brand, uh, how's the community reception out there? Obviously, I'm, I'm from out of Pittsburgh yeah. way, so I don't get to see all the teams, but yeah. uh, I know that it looks like you know you have a pretty good supporters group going, And yeah. but how's the community reacting? It's been amazing. You know, when you drive around town, there's billboards everywhere. Any shop you walk into, people are talking about it. When people meet the players, they're excited to meet the people. And it's, it's exciting. I think that, um, for you know, there hasn't been professional soccer in Michigan. And Michigan's a great soccer state. So the excitement is, is very high. I mean, we had like a season ticket holders event where we had 200 so season ticket holders show up and are excited picking their seats. And, yeah, I mean, the excitement is palpable. You can tell people are just ready to go. Um, and so with that comes a responsibility for our team. One last question. I'll leave you go. Yeah. Uh, with Capital Cup, as you're going to play uh, Michigan State, um, are is it a big priority to win at least the first uh, Capital Cup uh, to get you know fans that are maybe on the borderline or fans that are strictly uh, MSU fans that you know are trying to figure out why they should come see yeah. Ignite, or is it more for getting that community support and rallying around both clubs? Yeah, look, we want to win every game, so obviously it's a community event, um, but we don't prepare our team or you know like put our team out in the field to not win so that's not really in the in in my identity it's not in our team's way of approaching games um obviously you know Lansing has been you know Michigan State and Lansing are like synonymous with the same thing so there's a huge supporters group not just for like the the soccer team but just for the university there's a lot of like pride in that institution and so to be able to play them and and see have both sides of the community come together um, is exciting but then when it comes to the 90 minutes I mean it's just you want to win every game and um, a lot of the guys know each other too and so no I think it's uh, it, it's it's it, 
it's really well done by a front office and by Michigan State Athletic Department to get it going, and I think it'll be a really good competition. Great. Thank you so yeah, much. Have a safe trip. Good thank season. You. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. here from League One Fun Podcast, and today I've got head coach at Tormenta FC's John Miller-Racy. How are you doing today, coach? Doing well. Doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. And I, I got to start hard-hitting questions, something that I particularly have been excited about. Do you have any insider information on what the VIP tent on game days is going to look like? Oh, I know. I've kind of laughed and said I need to get tossed from a match and, uh, and get a chance to sit in there myself. Um, but no, it's it's uh, one of the things that the ownership and, and the front office have done. Have have really paid attention to fan experience. Um, they've done a lot of research over the years from going to other USL clubs, watching games, and, and just seeing. You know, a lot of places have a unique fan experience, and I think they're trying to create that um, with our, our hardline fans that uh, come in and you know can watch us warm up, um, you know, get a beer have a meal, um, chat with people they know, cheer their fan or cheer their, their team on. And uh, and the seating is, you know, the way it's set up this year, not being in the stadium, it's it's essentially pitch side. I mean, you're right on top of the game. Um, so it's it's definitely the best seat in the house, as good as my as my seat would be uh, coaching the match, for sure. <laughs> and, uh, you know, since you brought it up, you know, let's talk about it. Some of the biggest news that have come out lately, and there's going to be a whole event for it. Let's talk about, you know, groundbreaking this new stadium. And, you know, you guys are kind of setting the trend of having this specific soccer stadium built, um, you know, for League One. So let's let's get some details on that. Yeah, it, it can't come soon enough. Um, you know, this is when I first talked with Darren and Nietzsche Van Tassel about being a coach um, in the, the long-term vision they had. One of the first things Darren did was show me graphics of the stadium on his on his phone uh, in, in the, the meeting I had with him. So this has been in the works for a long time. And I think once we see the dirt actually getting moved, it, it will be a, um, a big sigh of release, but also all at the same time, there's still a whole lot more to do. Um, there's going to be so much to offer our players. I mean, maybe from a coaching standpoint and, and developing players with the USL 1 and USL 2, I mean, our facilities are going to be top class. From our training ground um, just around the corner to the pitch itself to the um, – from, you know, we have our own place to eat, a weight room, um, offices, uh, a theater to watch film. I mean, it's, it's going to be a bit of a coach's dream in terms of you'll, you'll have everything you need for a club of our size to give them a top-class experience and, and to develop players for the next level and, and hopefully um, generate some, some winning attributes into our own club. So I'm excited. Yeah, and it sounds like you guys have, like you mentioned earlier, have done a ton of research and brainstorming about how to make this not only a great experience for the players and yourself, but for the fans as well. And this seems more like an experience to where you have a whole day out of it. You're not just coming to a soccer game and watching the game and going back home. This is an event for right. anyone who's interested with different opportunities before and after the game. Oh, certainly. You know, And I think um, the ownership has done a great job of looking at um, for instance, a great example would be Marietta, Georgia, with what they've done with the Atlanta Braves. Um, you know, they have their stadium in and amongst around tons of business, businesses and restaurants, and you can spend the whole day there. 
yeah. um, and then go to the game in between. I think we're trying to create a similar type scenario where you can eat in a restaurant um, for lunch, you know, go to the pub, have a few beers, you know, catch maybe a Premier League game, then walk right around the corner to the stadium. You know, if you're VIP, you know, you get good seating. If not, if it's standard tickets, you get a great seat because really the way we're designing the stadium, there won't be a bad seat in the house. Um, you know, there's a lot to offer. Off, there's going to be a brewery right there as well for people to go for a post game. I really think it's something that we are trying to create a day that they can spend at the park. And it's not just the soccer match. It's it's there's a whole lot more happening. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to check that out. But you know, new league, um, some new opportunities. Coach, I want to talk about you know the the transition, right? So we have a new league, but you're returning 11 players from an undecide, undefeated League Two side. So are we expecting any kind of a new style? Uh, do you feel that you're confident in running the same? style and formation that you had in League 2 or are we going to switch things up because it's a new league? That's that's top secret information. (laughs) Um, Well, the the answer is the philosophy will not change. Um, Maybe the formation could change. Maybe the style could change a little bit. But in terms of what we're trying to do, won't change. I mean, we, we have an identity and we have a personality that we want to want to carry over. Um, I think the big difference between USL 2 and USL 1 is obviously the length of the season. Um, so you have to take that into account and what, what kind of tactics you employ. Whether you, If you're all-out pressing team day in and day out, I mean, you can fatigue your team over eight months. Um, you have to be pragmatic sometimes in how you defend and attack a team but in terms of what we're going to do and and how we're going to do it that's not really going to change Uh, we want to play an attractive style of soccer we want to ask a lot of our players from build up to all the way down to the final third because i believe you know for these guys that this is the third division and this shouldn't necessarily be a destination gig for them they need to get better they need to be put in situations where they're more technical and, and tactical demands put on them so they can get better and, and potentially move up to the championship or MLS. I mean, I, I essentially think that's my job is to to not only win games but to make these guys better after nine months. Yeah. Um, so we keep that in, in, in line of, of how, what kind of tactics we employ and what we ask of our players. But we've also selected guys that that can do it, um, that can play the way I want them to play. And, and uh, it's been a good preseason. I think we're antsy to, to get going here in about two weeks. Yeah, that was my next question, right? So you're, you move on up and you're, like I said, you're returning 11 of your players. What's the process that you had of deciding on those players and what did you tell them that you expect from them differently this year than you did last year? Yeah, you know, I, I really haven't had that conversation in terms of, all right, it's going to be different. Um, I think... They were brought in, especially last year's guys, with the idea that if you do well, then we could potentially have a contract waiting for you. Um, and, you know, I think uh, for them, it's been a probably a little more smooth of a transition because there's familiarity. You know, it's the place they ate over the summer. It's the fields they trained on. It's the same coach. But the team is completely different. You know, it's it's... You know, we've got a guy that's 26. We got a guy that's 20. I mean, it's we, we've got an age range that's a little bit longer. We've got guys that have played at a very high level. Um, we've got a mix of second and third year pros. A couple guys have you know had a taste of MLS mixed with a bunch of first year pros. So it's it's a completely different scenario uh, for them. It may be the same location, the same coach, but it's a different setup in that sense. Um, 
And for us, we've been building this team for years. I mean, when I first got it, had a PDL team, you know, we were assessing players then. And in 2018, we selected a squad of guys that we thought would matriculate several USL, USL potentially an MLS signing. Uh, and I think we did a good job because we signed 11, but we also have, gosh, we got Tony um, at New Mexico. We got a Cedro at uh, Rio Grande Valley. Uh, we got Leland and Charlotte. I'm sorry, Charleston. And we've got guys that have come through our USL2 setup and have, have gone on to be pros, and, and that's something that we're very, very excited about and proud of. Yeah, and, and speaking of that, it sounds like you're looking to invest in that even earlier with the announcements of the academies um, that came out last week. Can you go into a little more detail about that? Absolutely. So we are trying to set up a, a proper development ladder to the professional ranks. Um, so it would start with our youth academy. You know, we would have our U15s on down to, to wee little kids that are that are three, right? And then we would end up having our academy teams of U15, U17, potentially U19. Then our USL2 would essentially be a U23. Then we would have the first team, which would be our pro team. And the idea is, the big dream is that we, we develop a few guys that, that come through the entire system and they get their professional debut for the club they, they grew up playing for. That's that's the big dream with it. Um, the other aspect is, is youth sports matter, and we want to be a positive influence in the community and these kids' lives as they go through. And maybe they're not pros, but they have a wonderful experience. They get to be better players, better people. And maybe they play college soccer. Maybe they don't play soccer at all in college. Maybe they move on and, and do different things. But we want to give them an opportunity to grow and, and invest in the community. And we think sports do that. And uh, so having a, a youth academy that that potentially feeds our, our first team is, is really exciting, really, really exciting. And so what you'll see is we'll start populating our USL2 team down the row with a couple of our academy players, and then a couple years down the row, maybe it's maybe four or five, and then down the row, maybe it's six or seven. Um, but we'll, it gives them an opportunity over the summer to develop and, and get better with, with older and bigger, faster, stronger players. And is this a way from, and I could be wrong, but the way I've seen it is there's a lot of places in America to where there is a, ta- a pool of talent that is not being found, right? It's being overlooked maybe because of location, maybe because of lack of any kind of professional team or any kind of professional academies. So is this a chance for you to kind of find that talent, you know, specifically throughout South Georgia and into Atlanta that, you know, wasn't being looked at before? Well, if you look at an example that I use, now this is this is a stretch, but just bear with me. An example that I use is, I think it's a 1995 IX European Championship team. Um, and if you look at the starting 11 of that team in 1995, nine of those players were developed in a 60-mile radius of Amsterdam, which is phenomenal. Right? So you've got nine homegrown guys, essentially, from a, from a city that now just won the European Championship, which is the highest, highest level in the game right now, more than, more than international soccer, I believe. Um, so, of course, that's... <laughs> A stretch, like I said. But could we put systems in place that we're pulling players from a regional area? We have regional training centers. Um, that They're all under the same umbrella of Trementa FC. We have our philosophy in place of you know, a system we want to play, how we want to develop players. You're able to add layers upon layer. And then now you're plucking kids from 
outlying little towns like Jessup, Georgia, or you know, around the corner, you know, like even Statesboro, and you're plucking guys from, from smaller communities that may have to drive 20, 30 minutes to get a, to a bigger community, and then develop. Um, and I think that's what we'll be able to do. I think we'll be able, be able to really reach those grassroots type scenarios, and I think it's important for the game. Yep, and I think also too, like you had mentioned earlier about when you're building these academies, and even if these players don't plan, uh, pan out to be professional, you're still involved. They're still within the community. They're still playing right. high school and soccer. So you're still giving, you know, these kids a chance who might not have had that pathway or even thought about that pathway prior to this. And I've noticed right. that, you know, you guys as a team do a lot within the community, right? Whether it's visiting high school games and have even just having your presence there to see that there is a pathway to professional soccer or raising money right. for the local Make-A-Wish Foundation. So how important is the community to this team? Well, it, it's the whole point. Um, it's it's why I chose to work for the people that I work for is because I think they are, and I believe strongly that they are for the community first. Um, it's not what they can get from the community; it's what they can give. And, and I think if you look at how we um, we run our first team and how we try to get them in high schools and at middle school soccer games and, you know, clinics and camps and, you know, trying to be as visible as possible. We got guys marching in the, uh, the St. Patrick's Day parade in Savannah on Saturday morning and um, just really trying to embrace our community and saying we're here and we want to be a rallying point for the community and and uh, and give back in that way. Um, and I think that's, that's really important. Yep. And... Uh... Going back to tactics without giving any away and talking about a, a team going into League One, um, right. you guys won you know, a U.S. Open Cup last year and then uh, lost the next round to Charleston, who had the best defense in USL Championship last year, so definitely nothing to frown upon. Um, right. And so coming into a new league, like you had mentioned, the schedule is longer, debt rotation is going to be important. So how important now is the U.S. Open Cup for you this year compared to what it was in the past? I think it's the same. In all honesty, I mean, we, we went into it last year with the intention of advancing beyond the second round. We were delighted to, to win our first round, and we, we faced a, a very, very difficult opponent in the Charleston Battery. And yes, you're right. I mean, we lost 1-0. And, man, um, you know, we had a lot of the ball, but they, they snuffed out all of our chances. Um, and they're, and they, they're very, very good defensively. So for us, you know, I, I think any team that's in that competition, so our USL1 and our USL2 will both be in the competition. We expect both of them to advance. The, the, the goal is not, hey, we're, we're happy to be here. The goal is to, to win, regardless of the, the USL2 or the USL1. So for us, I don't think it gathers any or garners any more importance than it did before for the club. I think it's just as important that we're going to treat it as a very important competition, just like the league, and, and try to advance as far as we can and um, you know, I, I, we love to end up in an MLS stadium somewhere, playing playing in the U.S. Open Cup, and I, and I think that's the goal. I don't think it's it's going to change. Okay, and you know, speaking of the U.S. Open Cup, and speaking of your players from last year, you've had some players who've really impressed me with that U.S. Open Cup run, and just in general of your undefeated season. So you brought in players like Marco, who's really impressive on the ball. Are there any other players that you feel that we should be watching for in League One that many people might not have seen before? Yeah, you know, I think um, 
You know, guys that have done well in our friendlies, we've, we've, we've had good results in our friendlies. Um, we've had some good performances. Um, you know, I think when you look at some of our veterans that have come to play, I mean, Alex Morales had a very good preseason. Um, you know, uh, we've had some other guys, Lars, Chris, that have come from other USLs that have come in and do well. But guys that, um, that maybe below the radar, you know, one player will be Ricardo Gomez. Um, he played for the Myrtle Beach Mutiny. Uh, played at USF prior to that in Tampa. And uh, he's had a very good preseason, and he's, and he's done a superb job of as our as our holding midfielder in preseason. And that's a guy to watch for sure. Uh, I think he's been playing exceptionally well. Um, you know, you've mentioned Marco. He's done well. You know, you've got some sleepers like Mikey Rowe, who was Division II National Player of the Year, coming off a, a season where he scored 20-something goals in a matter of 10 weeks. And, um, you know, he's got that in him. And, uh, you know, I think he's a young, bright, upstart player that, that can pop on some radars as well. Um, another one will be Lucas Coutinho. Um, spent some time with New York Cosmos. Um, and then, of course, that league folded. And um, he ended up in Lakeland in the PDL, and then I was able to get him here. He played for me years ago. And a uh, very exciting player to watch for sure. But the list keeps going. We've got, we've got young guys that are hungry. And I think that's, if I could tell you anything about the group I've got, is I'm really excited about their appetite to compete and to grow and, and to be successful in the game. And, um, you know, when you look at my roster, it's on the most part, we're a bunch of rookies and, and very young. Um, but I think that's that's going to be a strength for us because I think our, our growth trajectory is, is going to be greater and, and more apparent um, as we get these guys to their first pro season, a lot of them. Um, and uh, yeah, they're, they're a fun group to work with. I mean, every day is a the dog fight and training, which which I love. Yeah, and you you know you mentioned that you have rookies, but they're also players that you have played with as well, right? They know you and what you expect. Right. Do you guys feel like you have a little bit of a competitive advantage coming into a league compared to some teams who have to you know, put together teams of players who've never played with each other before, with a new coach and a new system, and starting from scratch? I would say we probably have an advantage in terms of culture. Um, you know, we've got. We brought guys that were already bought into our, our culture uh, in terms of what we expect, the standards we have for them off and on the field um, as men. And, uh, you know, having a group of 11 or 12 guys that have already bought into that and appreciate that and understand that and, and, and can step right in, that's, you know, we're not introducing some ideas to those guys. They've, they've just jumped right back in. So that's an advantage. And then they've helped. Um, integrate those those standards into the group that have um, had to start new, um, and uh, it's it's that's been good. I think the team chemistry and, and the locker room is is very strong, and uh, it's not perfect, of course, but I think you know that's where we probably have an advantage in that cohesion aspect. The soccer aspect, you know, it's still trying to get everybody on the same page and, and how we want to play, why we want to play that way, what roles you need to fill in certain uh, situations and. Um, you know, there's there's definitely a lot of growth to be done uh, on the field, but I think having that continuity in the locker room is, is very beneficial. And my final question, as a coach, does any of your ultimate goals from both uh, professional player level and their growth to winning a trophy change uh, because of the league, because of the new structures, or is it the same mentality as it's always been? Um, and now you see a bit of more of opportunity to get 
people to move on to a higher path level professional playing? That's a great question. For me, the reason I'm in it is it's ultimately about the people and, and growing them into um, to better professionals uh, off and on the field. Um, the vehicle is the game for me. Um, and, you know, one thing that I tell folks is we're, we're both and. We're, we're going to develop guys, hope to get them better situations with higher salaries and brighter lights in the future, but at the same time trying to win. Um, I don't think we're going to sacrifice one for the other. We're never going to be a club that, you know, uh, sacrifices how we treat a player or developing them in order to just focus on the outcomes. Um, we're very much, in terms of we set goals, we have our outcome goals and our process goals. And we're very, very, very focused on the process of growing, um, getting better every single day, not wasting a second of training or a second. Uh, that gives you an opportunity to get better as a human being or as a player. And so I think if you focus on the right thing and you, you continue to, to push on the process and, and buy into that, the results are going to come. We're not going to sacrifice one for the other. So that may be a different way to answer that question, but that's that's really our focus is we're, we're going to do both. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Coach John Miller-Racy, I appreciate you joining us. Tormenta is the opener of USL League One on that Friday March 30th, I believe, correct? That's uh, correct. All right. Thank you, Coach. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. You too. All right. Bye. That's it. That's the show. That is the League One fun. I hope you guys enjoyed hearing uh, three coaches in League One side by side by side. Um, it's cool to hear what they focus on. Cool to hear their different personalities and when what their teams are going to look like. Um, good job to all three of the interviewers there. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, let's just close out the show. All right. Thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and U.S. Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. You can check out our podcast and all the other podcasts at bgn.fm. You can check out written content at bgnwritten.com or uslnews.com. We got all kinds of .coms and uh, .fms and uh, different links for everything. Mike does a great job setting all that up and organizing it specially for all you guys to find easily. Um, So yeah, check all those out and then uh, we'll be back Wednesday night on our YouTube channel at uh, League One Fun on YouTube. Thanks for listening.